Good day. I'm Martin Webb, and welcome to the Climate Report for Thursday, April 14th, 2022. The Climate Report broadcasts and podcasts on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. Today's Climate Report is focusing on the list of local climate and environmental events centered around Earth Day. With COVID restricting events for the past two years, and the environment and climate indicating a dire situation for those same two years, it is only appropriate that a cavalcade of regional and local Earth Day events have erupted on the local scene and are here for the taking. While American corporate media and politics continue to backpedal and minimize the problem and solutions, studies show the best immediate response is local direct communication that bypasses normal commercial channels of obfuscation, like the Climate Report and community radio. Hence, a good time to engage others directly in the community and region will be at these upcoming events, numbering almost a dozen across the next two weeks, from Rockland to Auburn to Nevada County, Grass Valley, Nevada City. I myself hope to attend all of them, so holler if you hear my voice nearby. And note, all of these events will be listed on our Climate Report social media page, the one run by someone whose name rhymes with Yuckerberg. And this episode, as are all episodes, will be archived later today at KVMR's podcast page for re-listening and sharing for these Earth Day events. You may also, again, email climatereport at kvmr.org for more information. Well, one event just happened earlier this week, that was the Climate Change Summit, and one of the points that was discussed was the drought that we are in. And just to make sure that listeners are aware, recently it was announced that we are in the worst mega drought in the western United States in the last 1,200 years. Drought scientists have been looking all the way back to 800 AD, and it used to be that the 1500s had the worst mega drought of the last 1,200 years. However, the last three years have cemented our place now as in the middle of the worst mega drought over the last 1,200 years. As a result, there's also issues with climate scientists, including one up near Donner Summit, who is saying that all of our water modeling that we have been relying on are actually now out of date and need to be updated. So it was an interesting topic uh, locally and at our local climate summit. Uh, water and planning for the future was a big part of the discussion, and there's a concern that the numbers still might be inaccurate, which is going to be part of the subject of one of the next Earth Day events that are available. It's going to be Tuesday, April 19th. I'm going to read these events in chronological order. Sierra College is doing an awful lot around Earth Day. And this is a Zoom lecture by a well-known researcher. It's a part of Earth Week for Sierra College. It's called Climate Change, Drought, and Global Aridification, Understanding the Confidence in the Projections. It's a talk given by Dr. Jonathan Overpeck of the University of Michigan. He says a new approach integrating the examination of temperature, precipitation, and drought risk indicate that Many rivers, water supplies, and ecosystems in the West are already being seriously affected by warming. 
and that continued warming could result in much larger water supply crises than widely thought, even if mean precipitation average rain increases. The implications of these results have serious implications for water supplies and terrestrial systems, systems in many parts of the globe. So Sierra College is offering this as part of Earth Week. It's an event where interdisciplinary climate scientist Dr. Jonathan Overpeck, University of Michigan, will discuss one of the sharpest edges of the growing global climate crisis, hydrologic extremes and water security. Special attention will be focused on understanding how to assess and have confidence in the estimates and projections of future change. So again, that's Tuesday, April 19th from 11 a.m. to 12.20 p.m. That is a part of Sierra College's offering, and it will be on Zoom, so no need to drive a climate-friendly event. Well, then Sierra College is also offering a couple of Earth Day events on Thursday, April 21st at their Rockland campus, as well as here in Grass Valley, close by to the station. First, we'll start with the Rockland campus. It's their Earth Day 2022 festival titled Invest in Our Planet. Down in Rockland, the Sierra College Earth Day event runs from 10 a.m. to 3 Closer to the station here in Nevada County, the Grass Valley Campus Earth Day event will run from 10 a.m. to 2. So Sierra College Rockland, 10 a.m. to 3. Sierra College Grass Valley, 10 a.m. to 2. The festivals uh, down in Rockland will offer climbing wall, music, food vendors, workshops, hands-on crafts, a used book giveaway, as well as tabling by environmental organizations and businesses, displays of student work projects, and student presentations. Sierra College has celebrated Earth Day every year since its official worldwide inauguration in April 1970. That's 52 years of celebrating our Mother Earth, they say. The Earth Day events are open to the public. And again, this year, the theme of the Sierra College Earth Day celebrations is invest in our planet. They say the moment is now to invest in our planet for a sustainable future, we must all act, businesses, politicians, students, teachers, friends, and family. Together, we can demonstrate our unstoppable courage to preserve and protect our health and the health of our only home, planet Earth. Sierra College says that for these events, their goals are to raise awareness, form partnerships, and implement environmental solutions from ecological, economic, and social perspectives, all while enjoying a fun event. So down at the Rockland campus, that's in Sierra College Boulevard, most activities are going to be set up around what's called the Lower Quad. At the Grass Valley campus for Sierra College, again, this is Thursday, April 21st, from 10 a.m. to 2, the festival will offer food, entertainment, and information. All activities will be in the Bell Tower Quad. That's on Sierra College Drive in Grass Valley. That's the 21st. Well, locally, there is an event on actual Earth Day itself, which is April 22nd. There's an Earth Day festival in Auburn, from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. late afternoon, early evening at Overlook Park. It is uh, brought to you by the Placer High School Environmental Club. And they say, join us for a night of environmental education, music, local food, and local vendors with over 20 participating local businesses and organizations. So that's at Overlook Park in Auburn Earth Day Festival on Earth Day, the 22nd from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. And again, for any additional information, this will be saved as a podcast on KVMR's website. 
There's the Climate Report social media page or email climatereport at kvmr.org. Well, because Earth Day is falling during a weekday, there are plenty of events happening over the 23rd and the 24th. One big one on Saturday, April 23rd is Earth Day in the Foothills 2022, sponsored by the Sierra Pines United Methodist Church. They say, join us for this inaugural event to honor, celebrate, and share this planet that we call home. That's Saturday, April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Sierra Pines United Methodist Church off of West Hacienda in Grass Valley down near Lake of the Pines. It's a zero-waste event featuring three live music venues, educational and community organization booths. I myself will actually have a booth there uh, representing climate action and solar. There's going to be sustainable cooking, other demonstrations, environmental speakers, nature photography classes, EV car displays, all of this and nonprofits, walking labyrinth, earth-friendly activities for kids. Um, Picnics and chairs for watching live events are welcome. Carpooling and reusable water bottles are encouraged. For more information, you can go to sierrapinesumc.org slash earthday. So that's Saturday, April 23rd, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Sierra Pines, uh, UMC. And uh, stop by and say hello if if you happen to be there. I will uh, love to meet any listeners. Also that weekend, the 23rd and the 24th, Wild and Scenic Film Festival is having their own Earth Day weekend of festivities with events, talks, walks, and movies at different locations. For example, um, and you can find more information at Circle's website. Circle, of course, is spelled S-Y-C-S-Y-R-C-L, South Yuba River Citizens League Circle. So, for example, um, Saturday morning, April 23rd, 9.30 a.m., Del Oro Theater, an experimental short film combining skiing with stop-motion animation that's based on Henry David Thoreau's Cabin in the Woods in Walden. There's also, on Saturday, 23rd Circle, we'll be hosting an Earth Day weekend Scotch Broom Challenge at Purden Crossing. That's Saturday, April 23rd at 1.30 in the afternoon at Purden Crossing, the Scotch Broom Challenge. Then on the Sunday the 24th, they will have a coffee talk with local author Shirley Descard at the Grass Valley Center for the Arts. And then Sunday the 24th at noon at the Grass Valley Center for the Arts, they will be screening the 2022 People's Choice Award winner movie, Inhabitants, an Indigenous Perspective, followed by a discussion panel about Indigenous knowledge featuring local Nisanon tribal spokesperson Shelley Covert and other special guests. So Circle is having their own events, speakers, movies. That's Saturday the 23rd, Sunday the 24th. Well, continuing through the calendar, then we're going to take it back down to Sierra College, who's continuing to really offer some interesting events. So for those who might be interested in careers in environmental direction, whether young or old, This event is part of Earth Month for Sierra College. It's called Earth and Environment Career Night. This is going to be held Thursday, April 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. That's Thursday the 28th in the evening, 6 to 8, down at the Rockland campus for Sierra College. They say that the event will begin with a short presentation where they will highlight the professionals in attendance and inform attendees where to find them during the networking portion of the event. They will also highlight the support services in attendance, including financial aid, counseling, and more. 
Next, they'll have a small panel discussion where select professionals will answer questions submitted by student scholars prior to the event. And then finally, they're going to leave lots of time for people to network where you can seek out the professionals who work in areas of interest to you and engage in organic conversations with them. Get your questions answered and explore your career dreams. It says you'll get a chance to ask questions or listen to the questions that others have. If you're feeling shy, you may learn things like what career opportunities exist in fields related to agriculture, geography, environmental sciences, geology, ecology, environmental policy, and more. They'll also cover what are the varied requirements for different types of careers. Do you need a bachelor's or a graduate's degree, or can you get right to work with an associate's degree or certificate? Further, there are going to be people offering advice on what sorts of internships and jobs might give people the experience needed to advance a career in the environment and uh, what employers are looking for, as well as talking to academic advisors at Sierra College. So Earth and Environment Career Night, that's Thursday, April 28th, 6 to 8 p.m. down in Rockland. Coming back up here to the Nevada County area, right close into our studios in Nevada City, on the 30th, the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce is going to be hosting their inaugural Earth Fest celebration. So there are a lot of inaugural events, whether it's Saturday the 23rd at Sierra Pines United Methodist Church, or the following Saturday, April 30th, in downtown Nevada City, with the need to connect and communicate, these types of events are sprouting up, especially after COVID. So this is the inaugural Earth Fest celebration in downtown Nevada City on April 30th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. They say this event is sure to inform and inspire all who attend and will include live music, special performances, interactive booths and demos, kids' activities, earth-friendly vendors, organic foods, and more, uh, all, as well as how to do zero waste. So a lot of educational interactive vendors, some retail vendors, food vendors. That's uh, Nevada City's inaugural Earth Fest celebration, Saturday, April 30th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then uh, last but not least, a very unique and interesting project is coming to fruition here in the Grass Valley area. It's called Project Wild edges and it presents an outdoor theatrical experience in the woods exploring our relationship to nature and the values at the heart of our land practices the performances take place on saturdays in may along the wolf creek trail in grass valley that's the trail that starts where the north star mine parking is and goes all the way to where the sinkhole that was patched and repaired and turned into a hiking trail the trail is a wild edge where our suburban life intersects with nature, and each, sh each show culminates with a speaking of nature shared discussion with local experts in the field of land management. The project is funded by a California Humanities for All Project grant, as well as being sponsored by the Miners Foundry and the Nevada County Arts Council. So it's a pretty interesting event. Uh, the shows, again, there will be two shows every Saturday in May. Um, be prepared for sun, plenty of water, wear good shoes. You have to sign a waiver of liability because you are walking through a trail. Chairs will be provided at the end of each show as well as a public porta potty. So if you're interested in more information, um, just look up Project Wild Edges. And that is our report for all of the Earth Day events and uh, environmental get togethers that are happening in honor of Earth Day and this urgent need to get together and connect as individuals after COVID, but also 
doing it in the name of the planet. So again, climate report at kvmr.org or the Climate Report social media page, or this will be archived on the podcast if you'd like to revisit all of these events. In addition to this week's discussion at the local level amongst leaders about what are the impacts of climate change and what might the future look like and how should we respond to it, that's happening, of course, in many levels at the state level, federal and international. And last week, there was a big report given to the California legislature how to prepare for the sweeping effects of climate change, painting alarming scenes of fires, floods, and economic disruption. CalMatters reports that the California legislature's advisors last week released a series of reports that lays out in stark terms the impacts of climate change across the state of California. Now, keep in mind, the legislative analyst's office is nonpartisan and typically buttoned down. Their job is to do research that informs the California State Senate and State Assembly and the legislators on an important subject from an objective point of view. So the typically reserved nonpartisan legislative analyst office outlined dire consequences for Californians as climate change continues to alter most aspects of daily life. Much of the focus of the six-part series in these reports is detailing the economic cost as the changing climate alters where and how Californians build, grow food, and how we protect the most vulnerable residents. Here are the most salient bullet points called out in the report. Wildfires, heat, and floods will force more frequent school closures, disrupting education for Californians' children, as well as childcare and availability of free school lunches. The report says that more than 1,600 schools in California temporarily closed because of wildfires each year between 2017 and 2020, affecting nearly a million students a year. The report also noted that workers in outdoor industries like agriculture, construction, solar, forestry, and recreation, which is 10% of California's workforce and mostly made up of Latinos, will continue to bear the brunt of extreme heat and smoke. The report noted wildfire smoke may have killed about 20 people for every 100,000 older Californians last year, and it's projected to become more deadly and actually double. That's just deaths from smoke. Then the report noted that housing, rail lines, bridges, ports, power plants, freeways, and other structures are vulnerable to rising seas and tides. The report says that around $9 billion of existing coastal property in California is likely to be underwater by 2050. $9 billion of current property is going to be submerged by 2050, according to this report. That is just as an average. The report noted, though, that during high tide, an additional $9 billion worth of property will be submerged. The report noted that extreme heat is projected to cause nine deaths per 100,000 people each year. That may be hard to grok. So what the report says is that's roughly equivalent, the extreme heat deaths, is roughly equivalent to the 2019 annual mortality rate from car accidents in California. 
So what they're saying is the same amount of people that die every year in California in car accidents, that is how deadly the extreme heat has become. It also notes lower income Californians who live in communities at greater risk for heat and floods because of discriminatory housing practices will be hit especially hard by climate change, yet have fewer resources to adapt. The report also notes this startling fact. Housing will be lost. For example, in the San Francisco Bay Area alone, where there already is a housing crunch, 13,000 existing housing units will no longer be usable because of sea rise over the next 40 to 100 years. 13,000 existing housing units will become unusable. They also note that more than 100,000 job spaces will also no longer be usable. So the homes will disappear as well as the businesses. And then lastly, beaches will disappear too. The report says up to two-thirds of Southern California beaches may become completely eroded by 2100. The report's unsaid, but an ambiguous conclusion. Climate change could alter everything and spare no one in California, so legislators should consider preparing for sweeping impacts. The analysts say in their report these hazards will threaten public health, safety, and well-being, including from life-threatening events, damage to public and private property and infrastructure, and impaired natural resources. Okay, that sounds like a lot. The good news here, it says scientists say it's not too late to stop the most severe effects, although the clock is ticking. Technologies and other solutions already exist to reduce greenhouse gases from fossil fuels and other sources and prevent more irreversible harm, according to a landmark international scientific report released last week by the IPCC. However, international accords and plans continue to fall short with emissions expected to keep increasing. Now, California's legislative analysts did not conduct new research. Instead, they compiled existing data and projections, providing a comprehensive clearinghouse for legislators as they enact policies and approve budgets. The report comes in the lead-up to Governor Newsom's May revision to his budget, when the administration can reframe and update their proposals. Right now, California's proposed budget from the governor includes more than $22 billion specifically for climate change efforts that include protecting communities against wildfires and extreme heat. Despite the state's climate-forward reputation, critics and many legislators note that California's follow-through has been inconsistent. Said a Democrat from Southgate telling CalMatters last year, I don't at all feel that we are leading the world anymore. Although the state passed a climate budget, California environmental voters and advocacy group gave the state its first D grade for what it called climate inaction last year. A CalMatters commentary said, we're plagued by climate delayers in Sacramento. Members of the legislature who talk about climate change, but don't back up those words with action. Last week's reports were largely focused on how California must adapt to climate change, but the Legislative Analyst Office has also previously warned repeatedly that our efforts in California to stop climate change or slow it down, our our landmark greenhouse gas cap-and-trade market, is currently expected to fail to meet our own state's goals to reduce emissions. In one more final report on the ripple effects of climate change here in California, before we end on a solutions-based note, 
New research shows that an interesting effect happens after these large megafires occur, that the runoff of bacteria and fecal material that normally stays in the soil can accumulate for several months off the coast of California. This was released from NASA. It says California fire led to a spike in bacteria and cloudiness in our coastal waters. Scientists analyzed coastal water quality in the months following a major Southern California wildfire, and their results were eye-opening. The Wolseley Fire in L.A. and Ventura County left more than nearly a 100,000-acre burn scar behind. It also left the adjacent coastal waters with unusually high levels of fecal bacteria and sediment that remained for months. It's a new study published in Nature's Scientific Reports. When it rains, runoff typically carries some bacteria and sediment from the land to coastal waters, but the huge spike in both bacteria and sediment following the fire was anything but typical. Said the study's lead author, post-fire, we saw drastic water quality changes along the coast, particularly at beaches that were draining the burned area. Um, More specifically, enterococcus, which indicates the presence of bacteria that can cause gastrointestinal disease, was 53 times higher, well above what is considered safe for recreational use of water. Now, at the time, local authorities issued water quality warnings, but researchers noted that bacteria levels remained high and took six months to return to pre-fire levels. Usually when there's a spike of bacteria, it lasts a day or two, but after these megafires, it's now become a big concern. As mentioned in a lot of the news reports that we cover, much of the technology and solutions and money and paths forward have already been made available and pointed out. And in many cases, the climate issue has now become a crisis of communication. More and more studies are indicating how and why to be careful what language we use about that. Talking about climate change can be depressing for some people. Does it have to be? One of society's greatest threats often instills fear and hopelessness in readers and listeners, but journalism can offer new possibilities through language use and framing. This is an excerpt from Quibbles and Bits, an e-newsletter. It says, when it comes to tackling climate change, one of the worst existential threats in human history, it's clear we need to take immediate and meaningful action. But while some progress has undoubtedly been made, many people have already mentally checked out, feeling apathetic or helpless about their ability to affect positive change. That means for many nations, the political will to sacrifice convenience and comfort to minimize fossil fuel emissions is simply not there, which raises the question, how do we talk about climate change in a way that encourages commitment rather than detachment or disbelief? A host of new studies on language I've pointed out some interesting things. For example, one study found that Republicans tend to rate the words climate change as more serious than global warming, while the opposite is true of Democrats. They respond more to the words global warming than climate change. Recently, some media outlets have also begun referring to our current moment as a climate crisis, as a way to stress the grave threats and incite people to act. But Even this is not a simple, unproblematic choice. A 2021 study in the journal Climate Change found that calling it a crisis or emergency did not incite engagement among news audiences. In fact, calling it an emergency actually backfired, making people slightly more likely to consider the news outlet as uncredible, possibly because the phrasing seemed unnecessarily alarmist to them. 
So phrasing is important. Climate change versus global warming can matter. Crisis versus emergency. Another study in climate change found focusing on solutions was often better for engagement than trying to scare people into action. Grist reported in reference to the same study, news stories that emphasize taking action tend to make people feel hopeful. Articles that highlight solutions are also viewed as more credible and people are less resistant to them. Indeed, solutions journalism has been slowly taking shape over the past decade, thanks in part to a nonprofit called Solutions Journalism Network, whose aim is to ensure by 2025 that the majority of U.S. news consumers have access to solutions journalism no matter where or how they get their news. That's all for today's Climate Report, broadcasting and podcasting here on KVMR-FM and at kvmr.org every second and fourth Thursday at 6.30 p.m. I'm Martin Webb. For daily news headlines in between broadcasts, including heaps of good news and tips, there is a Climate Report social media page. For questions or comments, feel free to email climatereport at kvmr.org. Happy Earth Day, and maybe I'll see you at one of these local events.